This is County Fire Insight for Tuesday, October 12, 2021. Hey, everybody, thank you for joining us. Uh, communication is always hard in the organization for you to take your time out of your day and log in and, and ask questions to us and receive the newest information is really important. And thank you for doing that. I want to thank, I want to start by thanking uh, a couple of people, Captain Agrilius, Engineer Fox, and uh, Firefighter Paramedic Reed for helping a customer. They had a trailer fire in Atalanto. The uh, crew showed up and they, they put the Airstream trailer out. The customer was so pleased with the customer service, they actually wrote us a letter to the district thanking Captain Agrilius for his efforts. So Brian, thank you for what you do for us. Today I've asked Chief Barna to join us. EMS continues to be a big topic in this county. Last time we had an insight, we kind of explained a little bit with what was going on with AMR. The situation really hasn't changed. We're still working with the County Chiefs Association, the CEO's office of the county, the CAO, our EMS division to come up with a great plan for the future. In the meantime, thank each and every one of you for being patient as uh, we're working through some pretty significant challenges on the EMS transportation. We recognize how long you have to wait for ambulances at times. We recognize those employees that have stepped up and staffed additional ambulances. Those employees that have ambulances in their fire stations where they never had ambulances before. We realize all this is an impact. And it's not going to be permanent, but it's what we have to do right now to take care of our customers and specifically in our service to our residents and those that are visiting us. So thank you again for joining us. Thank you, Captain Agrelius. Chief Barna, if you would give us an update of what's going on with our ambulances and what we're doing to help uh, fix the problem. Of course. Thank you, everybody. Um, the first topic I just want to cover real quick, um, a new technology platform that we're experiencing right now or, or um, doing some testing with is called Pulsera. The, the app is a cross-communication app that allows uh, our personnel and our records to seamlessly work within the hospital as well as activating stroke, STEMI, and specialty teams within that hospital. It's exciting new software. Um, it's something that we want to beta test and get through the paces first before we deploy it out to a large group because we don't want to create any negative impacts with, with you on the floor. So you might be hearing some talk about Pulsera and what we're doing to, uh, or how it works and what it's going to do. Realistically, you know, we used to have the old brick uh, HTs down to our 800s to flip phones, now to smartphones. This is likely the next generation where we can FaceTime with doctors, we can attach to records, but it also allows us the QI for you to be able to follow that patient all the way through the process, STEMI, see updates, and then uh, all the way through their discharge. So it's an exciting new software. As far as the BDC ambulance deployments, um, I can't thank you enough for everybody that stepped up and helped. Um, we've made significant um, changes, obviously, to our deployment model with the addition of 71s and 221s and potentially some here in the future. Um, with that and how we deploy them, it's kind of important that we cover uh, the assess and refer model that, that we're using and how you guys as captains can use them and as a reminder of when we use them. So, when we have our ambulances that are staffed up, uh, starting here in the next week, 71s and 221s will be full-time staffed, constant staffed, because the um, additional 18 that we are bringing on as a dual fill role. But 
we're now using those to um, as a mutual aid request through AMR. So when AMR is low levels or they have an ambulance that can't meet their 10 minutes performance time, they should be calling our dispatch center and requesting mutual aid for that, that patient. Subsequent to that, our personnel have the ability on a critical patient. Once they arrive on scene, that is the most important part. Uh, we can't have anybody calling it for either a man down or suspected, but use your common sense with either reading the notes or at least getting on scene before dispatching our unit. But once we have that, please request them. That's what our unit is there for, is to get those critical patients off scene into the hospital. With assess and refer, um, we do still have some growing pains with uh, communication between AMR and how exactly we're going to be operating that function. But the protocol is live at ISIMA and it is something that we're following. Uh, we do have some, some little bit of cleanup to do because um, in the emergency directive, they used to allow our personnel to remain on scene and and, or I'm sorry, to leave the scene if it was a stable patient. When they moved that to the protocol, they accidentally left that piece out, so we're working to fine tune that piece. But with assess and refer, we highly encourage you to use it if it is an Alpha Bravo stable patient and that they can request that BLS ambulance to the scene so that we can maintain ALS units in the system. Um, if they're already on scene and it's a short transport, it's best just to load them in that ambulance and get them going. One of the challenges we've had or the lack of communication is AMR will arrive on scene and then try to ditch the patient to a BLS unit, making our crews wait on scene for 20 plus minutes longer. And so uh, we're hoping that if they're on scene, we just wanna get them in the ambulance and transport for them. Um, so that's how we've kind of been deploying our, our new resources. Um, last piece that I have is um, we're starting to see a small uptick in COVID numbers. Please make sure that you guys are using hand washing, disinfecting, social distancing, masks when it's appropriate. Also, if you're seeing signs or symptoms or, and you had a high risk exposure, please call the nurse hotline to let them know that uh, you're feeling ill and then they can start that workers comp process. So I uh, appreciate your time. Keep up the great work. Chief Barna, since you're there, we already had a question come yep. in for you. Is there a way that a licensed or certified EMT and paramedic that do not work for suppression but work for other areas in county fire, can they work part-time on ambulances to help relieve the workload of the AOs, pick up shifts for full-time AOs to give them time off? Uh, that's actually a great question. Um, it would be difficult because we would have to go through the meet and confer process to make sure that they can work within that bargaining group. We appreciate the assistance with the help. Um, fortunately, our ambulance operator ranks are very healthy right now. Uh, we are looking at currently about uh, plus 12 EMTs, so we're overstaffed by 12 EMTs. We're definitely a little bit short on the paramedics, but uh, we have another 11 that are slated to start in uh, next month, which will help shore up the ranks. So I appreciate the offer to help. Um, you know, it's something that we could explore later down the road with part-time or part-DM uh, positions, but at this time, unfortunately, no, it's not an option. You're welcome. Thanks, Chief. We'll give a quick update on Deputy Chief Tom Marshall. Most of you know Tom went off work with a medical problem, and uh, what it is is uncontrolled affibrillation. He was initially given some medications to chemically cardiovert his heart into a normal rhythm, and that did not work. So at this point, he's been given medication to control the AFibs, bring it down up underneath 100 beats per minute, and then also given some anticoagulants 
to make sure that blood thinners to make sure that he's not going to have a clot. Ultimately, he may need some sort of procedure to correct this. Tom does uh, believe he's going to be coming back to work. It'll very likely be a couple of months, though, before he does return. What is our plan? Uh, we are going to have a division and assistant chief recruitment. You should see the flyer going out possibly this weekend. What we'll do is we'll ask one of our current assistant chiefs to step up as an interim deputy chief until Chief Marshall can return. I've asked Corbin Dorado to be with us, and we couldn't be any prouder of the warehouse. Our incident support that you've been able to provide, you've just done a bang-up job, Corbin. Thank you. I appreciate Thank that. you. Can you give us an update? Sure. Uh, first of all, I've talked to dozens of you guys probably every week and, uh, you know, on isolated issues. Um, uh, these issues are more things that, you know, impact us globally as an organization. Um, part of those are technological advancements. So we're a little bit behind um, the curve on that, but I'm working alongside our SAP team in purchasing on the SAP inventory module. Why that's important is that it's going to have picture capability, it's going to be user friendly, um, it's going to have real-time fund transfers to uh, alleviate chargebacks, and it will just be an overall better product than what we currently have. Um, in addition to that, we're working on um, installing a mobile app um, through a company called Fire Data Solutions. Um, this will help better put us in compliance with NFPA, 15, NFPA 1851, my apologies, um, and to better track our gear. Um, that's for personal usage so that we can work with a third party to get your gear cleaned and inspected twice a year. Um, additionally, I'm working alongside the clothing committee to and NMIS to uh, work on an online store. So this is just an added feature to our, our store, that you know, our physical store, where you can slide your card, use our couriers to uh, distribute products. So hopefully in about a year's time, we see something along those lines. Uh, other projects that we're working on, um, we are, we are prepared already, especially with manufacturer back orders for the lateral recruitment in terms of PPEs, uniforms, um, for that in January, as well as Tower 13 in February. Um, I'm working alongside uh, Spencer Brumba and Ryan Starling, purchasing in Chief Washington on our ballistic replacement vests. Uh, on the Class B uniform project, um, there is a delay um, uh, with Flying Cross on one piece of, the, piece of the garment. I'm not sure if it's the shirt or the pant. I believe it's the shirt, and um, we expect to see those in November. Once we get those shirts in, they'll be distributed out to you late November, early December. Um, ladder testing schedules went out last week. It will resume through the end of this year. Uh, there was an issue with our buddy breather systems. Uh, it was a connectivity issue uh, that has been mitigated. It was mitigated in about five days' time, so thank, I thank the SCBA uh, group for that. Um, our IMT building, uh, base camp, has now been condensed with our warehouse, so any COVID PPEs that you need would uh, come through the online system like any normal um, uh, purchase. I will be working alongside uh, Dale on his shop and the appropriate committees to uh, find a Class A foam, A B foam replacement, and he might have an update on that as well. Outside of that, I just want to take the time to tell my staff um, how proud I am of the work that you guys do, not only in the office Monday through Friday, but what you guys do for logistical support for this organization. Um, if there's any place where we can improve upon a service or otherwise, I'm all ears. Um, email me or give me a call. Yes. <laughs> You got a gray hair. I have a few gray hairs from this place, but uh, <laughs> that's okay. You were so young uh, six know, months I, ago when you got I, in this job. I know. I, I noticed. You know what? It's awesome to have you here, and you. it it means a lot that you would thank your staff um, and thank you from 
from the executive chiefs for everything you do for this organization. We truly believe it. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Last week we had uh, Dale Sandoval give us an update on some of the vehicle issues that he's forecasting in the future. And over the past couple of weeks, Dale's brought additional issues forward. And I want to make sure we're keeping you apprised on these. So I've asked Dale to join us again. Dale. Thank you, Chief. Good afternoon, everyone. Um, so first things first, the fire bull and the foam AB issue that we're working on. We have been going through a lot of it. We've gotten the new batch from fire bull. It turned out to not be so good. I left it outside, left it exposed to the air. After three days, it grew a large skin that I could literally pick up and hold in my hands. So that foam's not gonna work for us. We predicted that we'll plug up our foam systems. So we are testing another foam brand tomorrow. I wanna thank uh, Trent Blanchard and Nick Turner for help with this project to make sure that we get you guys the right foam that will work in our, in our rigs and suppress the fire the way it's supposed to. So, um, I'll, have a, I'll have an update for you guys on that. Should be tomorrow afternoon or the day after. The big reason I'm here, as the Chief said, is parts. We are seeing some major delays, some major um, rationing, we'll call it. All of our vendors are starting to ration. Ford is rationing as they're getting vehicles built and they send them out. If I ordered five expeditions, say, I might get two or three and somebody else might get two or three. They're rationing how they divvy out. Now, it's the same idea with parts. Last week we ran into an issue getting bulk oil, which is a big deal, right? Because now we can't change the oil in our rigs. On top of having problems getting filters, the bulk oil is being rationed the same way. So when our, when our oil company comes and says, hey, we've got this shipment of oil, they're only allowing us to have so much of it. So we're seeing parts shortages on things like, I said before, seat foam, filters, Freon, brake parts, brake chambers, another big issue. Uh, wheel seals, batteries are now becoming a big issue. We're taking whatever we can get, whatever we can find. Uh, we're also seeing the bulk oil, like I said, electronic parts, uh, ECMs, multiplexing nodes, sensors, um, water pumps for engines. Well, tires is the big one. Tires is a very big issue. Right now, you guys need tires. We're talking about running our tires down to 430 seconds before we even look at them. Even if they've got a funky wear pattern, we can't get tires. We got International, or sorry, Continental just came out and said no new tires until January. And that's an estimate. BF Goodrich is getting ready to solo, follow suit. Um, Apparently there was a shortage of rubber trees. I had no idea that rubber is from a tree. But either way, so there was some sort of a disease in the trees somewhere where they grow a bunch of the trees. And so this didn't just come from the labor force problems and the bottleneck shipping problems at the port. It also came from a shortage of actual rubber, which is concerning because we may start seeing parts shortages on brake chamber, diaphragms, anything that's rubber. So. For instance, I have Medic Ambulance 302. I'm sure you guys have been waiting for that. It's been two months sitting at Ford, waiting on back-ordered fuel system parts. We can't do anything about it. Ford can't build vehicles right now because they don't have the parts to build the vehicles. International and Freightliner just came out. I found out today they just announced that they are shutting down till February. So now we're seeing all of your major manufacturers shut down all their factories and it's no longer just the microchips. Now it is parts. But tires are my most concerning issue and batteries. So what can you do to help? 
because this is a big key. Like I said last time, uh, preventative maintenance is the key. Do your daily inspections. Get out there and look at your trucks. Look at them closely. Find those small problems. Notify your mechanic or the S1. Get the, get the shop involved and let's take care of them while they're small before they turn into bigger problems that we can hopefully get parts for. As far as tires, Avoid potholes. Uh, don't stop too fast. Easy on the braking. Brake parts are an issue too. We're starting to find out that we may or may not be able to get brake shoes. Some of these parts, it's not that we're never going to get them anytime soon. It's just that they're delayed. So brake shoes, we may not be able to get them today. We might be two weeks out. So you may be in a reserve rig for next two weeks because we can't get your brake shoes. So. Don't stop too fast, easy on the braking. Take your turns slower. That's a big deal on your steer tires. You will save life by that alone. But a big, big one that most people don't think about is maintain your tire pressure. If you just keep an eye on that tire pressure daily, make sure that you have good pressure in your tires. The manufacturers all recommend max pressure. So whatever it says on the sidewall, that's your max pressure. That's where you're gonna get the best tire wear and the most tire life. I know a lot of you don't like that because it makes the trucks ride rough. They, they steer a little different, but that's where the manufacturer says you're gonna get the most life. So if you guys can help us out, maintain all these things, it's gonna help us get it along, move everything along and kind of stretch things out. We're doing everything we can on our end also to ration. So, um, also we have, ah, great, I think I said it. So, listen, we have a talented group at the shop. We have a lot of guys that are very experienced with making things happen. It might be in an unconventional way, it might be uh, putting two different brand tires on your truck, we're just getting through right now. So, be patient with your mechanics, be kind to them, trust them. Our guys are all journeymen. We don't have anything but a journeyman mechanic at our shop. So they're very trustworthy, they're very experienced, and be confident that whatever we do, we will make sure the first two things, if it's safe and it's legal, if those two things are there, then we're gonna find a way to get you rolling. If it's not safe or legal, then we're gonna find you another rig or we're gonna find another way. We're gonna do something to make it happen. But I need your help, we all need your help. The costs are increasing crazy, crazy amounts by the day. Uh, we're talking manufacturers are talking about 12% increases, parts are talking about 30% increases, tires right now, if you can get them, we're talking about 25% increases. This all comes with a cost on top of if we can get it. So please do your part, do your inspections, help us extend the life of your tires, avoid the potholes, stop slower, take your turns slower. Dell, I, I actually have a question for you. Oh, let's shoot. So Chief Corbin, would All like right. to know when Division 5 is going to get their Snowcat. Is it still on order? Is Are we talking about Snowcat 14? I'm sure you're referring to that one is in the shop right now getting all of its lights and everything put on it. We do plan to have that in service by the first snow. So you're telling them to be patient. Okay. Uh, thank you, Chief Corbin, for the, I think, about the 15th time you've asked. Your guys love you. <laughs> so I got it. No, I, I love the fact that you had to think about which snowcats were in the North Desert for a second and then said for it wasn't Snowcat 8, I promise That's you. That's true. <laughs> uh, I have some bad news on the SAFER and AFG grants. Uh, we, we were awarded one of the three AFG grants that we submitted for, and that was for training for hazmat personnel. There was two other grants that we submitted. One was a regional grant for 800 radios. Now, when I mean regional, I mean that several other fire departments joined us in submitting a grant. 
usually when you submit a regional grant, and especially for radios to AFG, you're successful in getting that grant. However, for one reason or another, we were unsuccessful. The second grant we were unsuccessful with in AFG was writing for a vehicle. Vehicle grants are always hard to get. It's, uh, I think we've only done that once in County Fire that I can recall. We wrote for a new water tender from the North Desert, and that was unsuccessful. To be honest, we kind of anticipated that. But the SAFER grant was also um, unsuccessful, and a pretty big surprise. We had submitted for several positions to convert two-person units to three-person engines. So what is the plan? We did take those units, the, uh, the squads and the, and the brush patrols that we identified, and on paper we reclassified those positions from firefighter, those positions would be engineer, the firefighter paramedic positions would be captains. So those positions were all approved. And then our plan was to use a safer grant to hire the firefighters to put them on those apparatus. So what is the plan moving forward? I've asked the divisions to take a look at their staffing, to determine if they want to keep the two-person units, the squads, the brush patrol, as they are today, or if they want to reclass the positions and then possibly dual fill firefighter positions to create three-person engines. So the opportunity in this is that with staffing as low as it is, it would have been hard to fill those positions anyway. This may give us another year to do so. I'm not sure why we didn't get our SAFER grant or AFG grant but I've called the IFC and I'm working with the, excuse me, the International Association of Fire Chiefs and I'm working with them to review our grant applications. I've also contacted our local legislators to take a look at this and see what it was that we can do better. I'll tell you that the people that worked on these grants, I want to thank uh, a couple of people, Chief Barna, Ryan Wedd, and Diane Mendez Cantu, and uh, several other talented individuals that compiled all the necessary information for these grants. It takes hours and hours to do it. We certainly appreciate everything you do. I don't consider this your fault at all. Uh, we're we're going to figure out what we need to do in the future to get it. So I apologize for that, but we're still going to move forward with making sure that we're increasing staffing, that we're getting the fire engines, especially in San Bernardino and in the North Desert, in the South Desert. We recognize the need for that. We're going to do everything we can to continue to do that. I also want to spend a few minutes talking about the FP5 repeal. As I mentioned, I think in our last insight, there has been a, a citizen group that's solicited signatures to move a repeal of FP5 onto the ballot. They've announced on their website that they've, they have over 14,000 signatures, and they only needed about eight and a half, I don't remember exact numbers, to actually put it on the ballot. Now what happens from here? They take these signatures, they submit it to the San Bernardino County Register of Voters, also called ROV, and the ROV examine those signatures to make sure that they are registered to vote and they live within our service area. So if a signature was acquired from Apple Valley, well that's outside the FP5 service area, that would not count. So what's the next steps? Uh, they need to submit to the ROV. The ROV will certify that, determine if there's enough signatures. Then, once, a, once they have that certified, they would need to, by March 11th of 2022, have to send it back to the fire board, or excuse me, the fire board would have to take action to determine, they have two choices. One, to adopt the repeal immediately, or two, put it on the ballot for possibly the June 7th election. Those are the two choices. One, accept the repeal immediately, 
or two put it on the ballot at the next general election. If the measure were to be on the ballot in June 7th, mail-in ballots would be mailed by May 9th. Voters will have the option of voting in person on the 7th. The registered voters would need, to, in order to pass a repeal, they would need to have 50% plus one of those that cast votes, so simple majority. So what impacts would this have on our district? Well, on July 27th of this year, the fire board approved a 3% in increase to FP5 special tax. That brought the annual amount to a total of $161.98 per parcel, which was a $4.72 increase. And this generated an additional $1.2 million in revenue. So with this increase, there's a total of $42.7 million in revenue at stake. If this would be repealed, we would lose that much money out of our budget, $42.7 million. So what's next? I sent an email out this morning with an update. I'd like you to open up those attachments and please review them as a crew. There's some critical information in there. There's some information on FP5. There's information on how we can educate the, anybody that would ask the voters on the FP5 fire tax and the district. What we've got to make sure we're not doing is while we're on duty or representing the fire department, we can't advocate for or against FP5. So I've sent all these attachments to you and please review those as a crew. There's some great talking points in there and I want to thank Tracy Martinez and her team for compiling all that information and doing a great job. With the possibility of another repeal, I would expect that you're going to get some phone calls or maybe some visits to your workplace. Make sure you familiarize yourself with that FP5 fact sheet and the department website that you can direct the public to. Sorry to go through this again. I, um, I know that it's impactful to the organization. I think last time we did this, we went to all of our communities. We held community meetings. We're going to continue to do that again. We're already starting to set up a schedule to make sure that we're getting out there and that we're educating the different boards, the groups, the councils, the citizens that we serve on FP5 and the fire district itself. I will ask when I go to meetings this time that a fire engine come with me. Last time we didn't really do that because we were in COVID, but I think it's really important that you're there at those meetings. Final thing I want to talk about is department image and community involvement. It's really important that we're engaged in the community, especially today. I recently sat through a presentation by the Sheriff's Department to one of the recruit classes and they were talking about every time the sheriff does something good, they get plus one of the public's goodwill into their reservoir goodwill. But every time something negative happens or there's bad press uh, against the sheriff's department, then 20 is removed. And it takes 20 goodwill to replace that one negative thing that occurs. And it's the same thing with our fire department. We need to make sure that we're putting ourselves in the best light possible and that we're highlighting the great things that our men and women of, of this department do every single day. You guys are excellent. And I appreciate you so much. Captain, Captain Agrilius, getting that email today from the citizen means a lot to us. We get those emails a lot for the, the different things that you, you folks do. And we truly appreciate it. So help me and help Tracy put the, the department's best foot forward, especially as we go into the FP5 repeal, especially as we look at uncertain times in our economy and our society. 
You guys do great work. I am so proud of this fire department. Thank you for what you do. Tracy, is there any additional questions? No, sir, not at this time. Okay, I think I got a couple text messages I'm going to qu quickly look at. Okay, got the one I was looking for. Chief Walsh has announced his retirement. As, as most of you are aware, Chief Walsh started with the city of Hesperia, came over during the transition as a captain. Pretty quickly thereafter, promoted to battalion chief, worked for many years in the mountains as battalion chief, was promoted to division chief, then assistant chief, uh, was working in the mountains, and then I brought him down here for a short stint to help start our EMS division. And uh, he was having some, some, some knee problems and he needed to have bilateral surgery on his knees. So he's been out for almost a year. He's announced his retirement that'll be effective Friday, or this upcoming pay period Friday. I'm going to try to convince him to come in and do a last shift with us and uh, possibly go to one of his station's favorite stations. If you have a chance, please do reach out to him. Um, please keep Tom Marshall in your prayers. And I want to thank each and every one of you for what you do for this fire department. This has been County Fire Insight for Wednesday, September 29, 2021.